There was a video that my cousin sent of a raven that could say hola, and it's so clear. And I, I was like, is this a real thing? Because like every single time he would say hola, his eye would like blink and he would twitch a certain way and he would just go like hola. This is from here, stories from people and about people in the Catskill Mountains. My name is Cynthia, and this is my story. Talking and I'm like I'm either, I'm just like gonna keep and they're remembering things. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm scared. You go. Yeah, you gotta talk to them. You gotta like establish some some rapport. This <laughs> is like I'm friendly. Please <laughs> oh, remember me. Remember me when you take over the world. Oh gosh, don't peck my eyes out. My name is Cynthia Reese. I'm 26 years old, and I was born and raised in Gilboa, New York. When I was younger, playing outside in my backyard was like a blank canvas to a new adventure my friends and I would create. Just out of nowhere, we would come up with ideas and blend them together. Um, we would play hide and seek in the dark in the little woods that we had in the backyard. We would pick up a random stick that we would find and it would be our staff against monsters that we see hidden in the bushes. Um, our magic wands that we would cast spells on each other in a language that we just created on the fly. My mom would never understand what we were saying, but we understood each other. Our imagination combined would just, just let us go on these journeys together for hours. And before we know it, it would be nighttime or it would be close to our bedtime on a school night. And... Immediately the next morning, we would just plan on doing it all over again. The roles that I would play with my friends in whatever make-believe adventure we came up with was the healer. Um, my sister was the heroine, and she would always brave ahead against the villain, which was my friend. And whenever my sister would go down, I would rush up to her with my leaves or the grass that I just randomly pick up and a pretty wildflower and just press it on her body. And it's like, get up, my hero. Fight on. <laughs> and I would just stay in the background and make sure that my sister was all healed up to keep battling the villain. A game that we like to play in my backyard, especially at night, is called Manhunt. Um, players can go from two to as most as ten from what I know, but it can go bigger. Um, especially if you have like a huge backyard, the bigger the better. Um, or even the smaller the most because there's a lot of space and more places to hide. There is the hunter and the prey. The hunter is the one that counts to 10 or 15 while the prey scurry off to find the best hiding place um, to survive five minutes away from the hunter. Whoever manages to not get tackled by the hunter is the winner. I mean, there are so many highlights to our summers when we were little, and one of them was Pride Rock over on Stryker Road. So Pride Rock is this tall cliff that is maybe 10, 12 feet above um, the Schoharie Creek. And it was just so high for me when I'm looking down I would be so afraid to jump off 
My mom would demonstrate and she made it look so easy. I would get so afraid that I would climb back down and continue paddling in the water. But somehow, in my mind, I convinced myself one day that today is the day that I'm going to jump. And the usual fears and the beating of my heart would be there when I'm looking down. But I just jumped. Eyes closed, my body tight in the cannonball. I took that leap, I jumped off. And for a brief moment, I thought I was gonna miss the water, but I didn't. And after that first jump, I kept jumping over and over again until it was time to go home. Ever since that day taking jump after jump off Pride Rock, I learned that I had to believe in myself. You can have people show you how it's done, make it look easy, but you have to do it yourself. You have to be the person that pushes yourself to take those risks and those journeys, and that's what I learned. The games and water were not only the highlight of my life. Traveling as well with my family was something that I looked forward to often. It started out with the weekend trips to New York City to visit my grandparents and my cousins. And then there was to meet my father's family all the way down in Missouri. And that was my first long road trip. Uh, and there was a water park. So I got to enjoy time in the water with my cousins. A family incident that made me completely disconnect from New York altogether. Um, I lost a father. He was misunderstood and I was too young to understand what was going on in his mind. And my mom gave up on him because he would not talk to her. I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt lost, so when it was time for me to pick my college, I decided that I didn't want to be in New York. Um, one of the best schools that had a great culinary experience was Johnson & Wales at Rhode Island. But it was a good escape. Um, I was able to not heal, but open up again and make new friends, learn something new, and get back to the things that I loved. I have been vague about what my father did, but it's already out on the internet. People around this area know what he did, so there isn't any point of me protecting his actions. My dad has been sentenced to 25 years to life for killing his coworker. 
my sister and I didn't find out about it until school ended. Um, I think I had basketball practice. So after my mom picked me up, she warned us that the police might still be at our house. And we were like, why is the police at our house? My mom said they were confiscating my dad's belongings. It's like, is he okay? The first thing I thought was that something happened to him. I, for the life of me, didn't think that he would take somebody's life, but that's what my mom told me. And it took a while for it to click in my mind that he just ended somebody's life destroyed our family and somebody else's family and we had no idea that he would do such a thing for a few months he had bought guns but we just thought that he wanted us to learn target practice and learn how to defend ourselves so he did make it seem like it was for educational purposes. Um, it did make my mother uncomfortable that we would have weapons in the house. This area has been so peaceful and we haven't been in trouble with anybody for as long as we lived in this area. And the reason why it was so shocking was because it was so out of the blue. My mom, my sister, and I had no idea that in his mind he was plotting to go to work and right on the parking lot just kill a guy. My classmates were supportive. I mean, I didn't really step on anybody's toes. I was, I was athletic. I was in the honor roll. I helped out where I could. I was a mixed Hispanic African American. So there was one thing that I remember. They said that if anyone says any stereotypical disrespect towards you, I will punch them in the face. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, the thing where you know, it's typical for a black family to have not have a father. That it's always the dad that leaves the kids or ends up in jail. And I was like, where do you get this from? It's like, oh, you see it on TV? And I was like, I don't believe this. And it took what my dad did to realize that, that it was a typical thing because of what they saw on TV. So that kind of made me shut down a little bit because all my life I, I, I grew up respectful and it turns out that that's not how people usually see those of my race. I was hit again and again with surprises left and right and I thought that I had enough. I needed to go. I needed to start over. I needed to be around people that did not know my name or what my family did. So Rhode Island was my escape from New York. I was sheltered, even in the city. I was a very sheltered person. 
that's the version that my friends knew immediately from the start. That's how I presented myself. And then after a couple of college parties, <laughs> I was open to new things with the drinking, with the partying, with going out to have a slice of pizza before bowling, before doing laser tag and skipping class just to have dinner with my friends. Those were things that in the back of my mind, I my dear old mother would be screaming at me for. <laughs> But I was like, I'm in a new state. I am going to start over with my life. I'm going to explore new things. To this day, I still talk to my college friends. We plan these extravagant trips to go on cruises. And that was one of the things that I was missing living here in Gaboa. I had my childhood friends, but we never talked about growing old and retiring and still seeing each other. With my college friends, we thought of the future and how we could support each other and still have fun together. With my friends here in Gaboa, they loved this area. They knew that they were going to stay here. I loved traveling. I loved going to different states. I didn't feel that I would stay here forever like my friends. So if they were content with staying here, that's fine. I, was, I convinced myself at the time that this was not an area that I would live the rest of my life in and never think about coming back to Gaboa ever again. Funny how that did not work out. <laughs> when I came back after having my good old adventures, I had my surgery, a breast reduction surgery. And while I was home healing, I picked up crocheting. To this day, crocheting has been a way for me to be at peace with myself. For so many years, I did not want to succumb to the thoughts in my mind and be drowned by everything that has happened. I hated what happened here. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't think I would miss listening to the Schoharie Reservoir or the Blue Jays singing. I didn't think I would miss looking up at my ceiling and tracing the cracks on the wall. I didn't think I would miss the silence, that there wasn't a grocery shop across the street. I didn't think I would miss that, but I did. And while I was laying in bed healing and crocheting, I thought that, yeah, I guess I could see myself living here for a while. Maybe it's until I find another country to scamper off to. This is my home. It's a beautiful home. I learned to crochet from my mother. She learned how to crochet from her grandmother. I wasn't a fan of the repetitive circling going around and around, counting my stitches, making sure that the tension was correct. It just wasn't for me at the time, so I dropped it. 
And then while I'm sitting on my bed, scrolling through my phone, I see this patchwork cardigan the celebrity Harry Styles wore to a concert. Asked my mom to buy some yarn. I told her the colors that I wanted, hues of blue and white. And she found this sparkly white yarn. After a couple of YouTube videos later, I was making my own patches and sewing it all together. And I had my cardigan. And it took me long after laying in bed to me walk, being able to walk around without assistance to the end of October. So this would have been like the like a year anniversary of me picking up yarn and creating my first cardigan. And I still have this cardigan. It looks terrible now. Um, but I, I love it. Like, I love that I was able to find another thing that I love to do. When I start my crochet project, in the beginning, I'm excited. I'm already thinking about the finished project. I have the stitches in mind that I want to use, how many chains I needed, what color yarn that I want. And it's already in my head how it's going to look on me, how it's going to be. And I'm ready to go. I'm starting. And the beauty about crochet, in my mind, is that the time just flies. I end up spending between eight to nine hours crocheting all of these patches to the point where my wrists are screaming for me to stop. But I'm just so excited to get to that finished part. But I don't want to take a break because I feel like if I take a break from this project, I'm just going to leave it off to the side and it's going to collect dust. It's just something that I want to come to life. I want the physical piece to be there. But I'm excited that it's finally done and it looks exactly how I pictured it would be. That all of that hard work, all of the videos and teaching myself these stitches have actually produced something beautiful that I could be very proud of. It's nice that with crochet, that seems like you have to be so perfect with your tensions and with the color yarn that you use, that there are projects that say, screw the rules, make these double crochets as many as you want for as big, like make it as big as you want. And it'll still turn out great. I have made over 20 brain coral that I've uh, donated to the Stanford Village Library. From what I've gathered and from what's been told, the kids love them. One of the two favorite projects that I've completed was this plaid rainbow on black cardigan. And then the second favorite project that I made was a green scarf for my mom. We had gotten into a huge argument and being home, I wanted to reconnect with my mom. And that scarf, that peace offering, opened the door to strengthening my relationship with my mom. 
proceed to cry for like two minutes. Oh, just do it. <laughs> oh, Cynthia. <laughs> you were so good. You were good. It's a process, you know? Oh. Do I keep this running or do I want me to turn it off? Girl, if you want to hear me cry, then you can keep it all. <laughs> From Here is a Get Woke Catskills production made possible with the generous support of the New York State Council on the Arts Roxbury Arts Group and the Mark Project. I am always jumping off Pride Rock. Walk. 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 Walk.